Everybody, please bow your heads. Dear Holy Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to come here and worship you and learn more about you. Um, and I pray that you will help Pastor Dan um, prepare the message for us tonight, and then we will um, leave here um, knowing more about you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. What are the first five books of the Bible called? Pentateuch or the what? What's what's the uh, sixth book? Joshua. Was written by Joshua. who was born in who was an assistant to very good. Okay, so we know some of the context of sort of who this book is 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 about and and uh, and where are the Israelites going to the promised, the promised land and are they there yet? No. Yes, they are. We just crossed over the Jordan two weeks ago, but it's not, we've not been there long. Just crossed over the Jordan. They are now in the promised land for the first time. Um, now, um, we're, we're just going to jump into the, the, our, our first uh, text, and then uh, I'm going to explain some things. So are you all ready? Tonight, there's three questions we're going to, 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 to ask, and I hope that they will be answered for you. Um, by the time that, that, that we get to the end of the text. So once you, we're just going to stand together as we read this first initial text in honor of God's holy uh, and perfect word. Uh, and this is what it says in Joshua chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to jo Joshua, See, I've given Jer Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of, of valor. You shall march around the city and all the men of war going around the, the, the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trump, 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 trumpets. And when they make a loud blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, just for tonight, chance to open up your word, to talk about your truth. And God, we just ask for, for you to move in this place tonight, for your spirit to move, uh, for you through your word to teach us. And Lord, just open up, just touch our hearts, change our lives uh, so that we, we hear you, that we understand your word, uh, and that we respond to you. Lord, give us the courage that when you speak to us, that we respond. Uh, in Jesus' name, I, I just pray. A amen. Everybody sit down. Um, when, when, so we're in a passage. Has, has anyone ever heard the story of Joshua and Jer Jer Jericho? Two people, four people, six people. Quite a few, I think, have. When you think of this... Do you ever have this come to mind? This first first picture? Yeah, oh yeah. Can I can I just share something with y'all? This is a, 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 a veggie tale was a great thing for kids, but if you really look at the biblical text and you look at the way they did this story, the person that wrote the story was smoking something wrong and and it's so it's not it's not it's got some of the truth in there, um, but we, we sort of think of that. Now and so here's the next slide. It's you know, like, I, I've got that in my house. It's like in my room. 
This, uh, you see, there's, there's the, the, case, the case cover. It's my favorite. It's signed by Phil, whatever his name was, whoever. And, um, you know, and that's great. But, but I want us, as we look at this text, to try to get, get past. Now I've probably got this ingrained in your head. Uh, but get, get past this, the story, which was cute and great for kids. But there's a lot of more raw stuff in the story that is left out because it is for kids. Um, that as young adults and as adults, we need to start to take in and understand what is going on. I've got the first question of the night is, who fought the battle of Jericho? Who fought the battle? What, What, Nick? What's that song? Have y'all heard heard the song? Jericho, Jericho. Have y'all heard that song, right? So who who fought the battle of Jericho? Okay, okay, we're good. We're finally someone's responding. Um, has anyone here seen the movie uh, Star Wars Episode uh, Eight: The Last Jedi? You know, when I think when I think of that movie, do, do y'all remember? Just show of hands, real quick. You remember the scene of? Um, you can only describe it as floating space Leia. Uh, y'all remember scene? See, now when, 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 when I think of that scene, it, my, my view has changed. Now I always think of this when I think of, uh, of that. There you go. That's, that's my new image of floating. And, 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 and who here remembers the, the, the scene with, with Ray in the mirror, you know? You know? I, ne- I mean, Ray has never looked like this in this picture, but this is what I see now when I think of Ray in the mirror scene. Um, uh, and, you know... She's evidently a high school guy. Um, uh, so, right, who here remembers the scene where Kylo fights Luke? Do y'all remember the scene, the, the fight scene? Yeah? Can I tell you? You don't remember the scene. You don't. I'm sorry. I'm going to spoil it because it's been months. You should have seen it by now. If you remember the scene where Kylo Ren the truth is you don't remember the scene because that scene never really took place. Ooh, because as we find out, Luke's never there in that fight scene at all. It's a, it's a, it's a projection. Everybody, if you ever, I know it's hard, Rich, uh, but it's a pro- projection of Luke. So, so Luke's, Luke, Luke's not there. Their, their sabers never touch. They never fight. He's never there. Not a fight scene. I've got a, a truth I wanted to tell you uh, and you've, I think, uh, and some will go, well, it's just semantics. But the truth is this. Joshua didn't fight the battle of Jericho. God fought the battle of Jericho. He, God does everything. We look at the story. What does the, the, the Lord say to him? It says, the Lord says this to him. He says, hey, hey, for six days, you're, you're going to take your pe- people and you're going to march around Jer- Jericho one time each day. You're going to have the ark up. Of the covenant, and you're going to have ram's horns, and you're going to blow those horns, and you're going to march around once each day. And we'll see further in the text, he says, and you're not to say a word. You're not to say a word. I've got, I, I've got a, a, a little quick game. The middle school will be on this side of the room. The high school is going to be on this side of the room. From this moment on, no one can talk. No one can talk. Do we understand? If you talk, you're thrown out. No, I'm kidding. And you've got to get in order of age, oldest to youngest. Go. High school, middle school. Shh. I hear talking, Brian. Hush. Shh. 
You can't talk nor make a sound. More high schoolers than middle schoolers. Let's see which group can win this. Y'all can like make your, your line go like wrap around here if you want. It's fine. It doesn't have to be like a straight line to the back wall. When y'all got it, I need the person, one person. <laughs> Aaron, you look fantastic with that. <laughs> uh, when y'all think you've got, you've got it, all oh, I need someone to let me know. Are, hey, you're part of that group. What are you doing? I think they may want you to spread out, high school group. Are we in an order here? Um, it's not about to be an age. It's the age you are now, correct? Yeah, it's your exact age. Exact age. There's months and, and date, birth dates that you have, just to let you know. All right, wait a second now. What's your, your, your age and, and, and how, how many months around? I'm 18. 18? 18. Who's older? She is. Okay. 18. 18. Is he older than you? What's your birthday? November 5th. February 5th. Um, 18. Uh, 18. Wait, November? No. No, wait. No, I just he's, turned February. He's, he's older. He's older. He's right. Okay, I'm not going to ask everybody now. How old? 17. What's your uh, month? November 5th. Oh, okay. 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 Birthday? 16. Oh, sorry, May 7th. And you're, you're all 16? Ooh, this is pretty good. Y'all did pretty well. What? And month? And you're how old? 15. 15. You just turned 14. it? 14. About to turn it. Okay. That's what they've got. Okay, wait a second. Let's, let's see here. Are we still trying to get in order here? We're going this way. Where's age? Where's how old? What month? In days? 
Your what? First, not. Oh, wait, that's right. Okay, sorry. Okay, let's go right here. What month? Okay. All right. All right. Your twelfth, November fourth, right? And your eleventh, ninth. Okay. Good. Okay. All right. Everybody, sit down. Good. Good job. Good job. Now. <laughs> quick. Quick. That took a little time, but I wanted y'all to to see something here. All right, okay, I know you, you're like, I got to talk now because I couldn't talk. I got to talk right now. Okay, stop. Stop talking. Breathe. Let me ask this. Was that hard to do? Okay. Look here in verse 10 in our text. We're going to jump. There's a lot of text, so we're not going to hit all the text tonight because a lot of it's sort of repetitive of what they're told to do. This is what they go and do. But look here in verse 10 what it says. It says, But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Dude, that's a feat in its own right. Is it not? For six days, he says, hey, I don't want a word to come out of your, your mouth, but we'll let you know, but we're going to march together, and we're gonna, everybody's going to march. You know, those in the army are going to march around and blow the trumpets, and we're not going to say a sound. Now, um, did, did the Israelites do anything to win this bat- battle? No or yes? Yes. What did they do? Obeyed God, right? They obeyed God. But we do see God, that God really is the one that fights the battle. And the truth is, in this life that we live in, you're going to try to fight a lot of things. But unless we start to, to depend and lean and trust in God to fight our battles, we're not going to make it. It's just going to be a huge wall that's just going to get in the way every time. God fights the battle here. We, we sing the song, you know, that he fought, the, you know, Joshua fought the battle. No, he obeyed the Lord. He did the, everything he was supposed to do, but, but God fights the battle. And so we see in the text here that, um, that they do that. They do what they're supposed to. It says they, they, they get up for six days. They march around the city, and they, it says they don't, they don't make a sound for six days. They don't shout. They don't talk. No word comes from their mouth. And then on the seventh day, and it says this on, uh, in verse 15, on the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times, just as they were told. And it was only on that day uh, that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, question number two. Why does God sometimes choose to work in weird or odd ways? Is this weird to you at all? Have you heard anybody else winning a battle like, like, like this? And, and some people have tried to explain it. Well, the way they marched around, that it made the ground weak and for six days, and so the way it all worked out. In the, it's, it's weird. You don't march around 
a city that takes about, they, they believe, an hour to march around once. You don't march around it and shout at these giant walls for it to go. Know what you do? You would do probably one of two things. One is you would build an earthen ramp. Now, look at these. These are some amazing gra graphics that I found slash made. Um, there's the city Jer 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 Jericho right there. I know. I was like, I'm just going to do this to do it. Okay? And this is the city, and they've got no... So the, the two ways that they could, they could take the place is, one, they could build an earthen ramp like this. Oh! Oh! Where'd that come from? Right? They could build an earthen ramp, and that's this. They would take earth and rocks, and they would start just to build up around the wall of the city until it made a a nice, beautiful slope like that. And, and, and once it got to the top of the wall, they could climb on over and take the city. That's the way, that was a normal way you would take a, a city. If God said, hey, build the ramp, I will be with you. Now, when they built a ramp, there were risks because people would throw stuff at you or shoot stuff at you from the top of the wall. So there, there were, you would have a loss of life, but if you had enough men... Um, uh, you would make this, this, this ramp work and you would take the city. That's, that's a normal way in that time that you would attack a city like this. One, one more way is, is that you would surround the city so that no one could come in and no one could come out and you'd starve them. And this occurred many times where at, finally when they began to eat each other because they had no food for so long and they would eat dung of birds and whatever they could survive on, they would give up and they'd open the gates of the city and you could walk right in, but that could take quite a bit of time. But those outside would just sit and wait them out. That's the normal way you would attack a city like my beautiful uh, 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 computer thing of Jericho. That was not to scale, by the way, just to let you know. But God says, march around it for seven days and shout at it and, and it's going to fall in on itself and then it's yours. Why does he work that way? Do we wonder that at all? Anybody? No? You know, he works in a lot of weird ways. There, there's In 2 Kings 5, there's a, a commander of the Syrian army named Naaman, and he's got leprosy. And his wife has an Israelite slave who says to her, send your, your, your husband to, to the prophet of God. Send him there because the prophet of God can save, my God can save him. And so he's tried every way to get well and he can't get well. And so he takes her advice. He goes first to the king and the king's like, oh, why are you here? I don't want you here. And uh, he said, I just want to be healed. So he goes, so he sends him to the, the prophet of God named Elisha. And he goes to him and Elisha says this, hey, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times, and when you come out, you'll be healed. Now, Naaman's got to believe he's smoking crack, and I'm sorry, but that's just what he's got to believe. He's on drugs because the Jordan River is a nasty, muddy, stank river. Sorry, Jordan River, I just called you stank. Okay? And in the Jordan River, it, it's like it, we've got a team going to Honduras in a, a week and a half. Who, who, who's a part of that team? Stand up with me if you're, we got a, quite a bit of youth and parents, parents going. Yeah. So, so good. Also, also y'all sit down. I've got some advice 
for the team that's going. And New York team who's going, we've got quite a few for, for you as well. This is advice for you as well. If you have a big sore or cut on your hand or your body and you're walking down the city street and you see a, a puddle, you don't wash your hand out in the, in the puddle on the street. In Honduras, it's for sure, for sure probably sewage and, and urine. And you don't want to do that because if you get that in your sore, it's going to get nasty, stink, nasty. Okay, bad. It's bad. So when he's told, hey, dip yourself in the Jordan seven times, he's like, this makes no sense at all. And the Israelite girl says, just do what the prophet of God said. What do you have to lose? He's thinking, well, I could be like, uh, it could, you know, it could get worse. But he goes in, in the Jordan, the Jordan, doesn't dip just one time, but he does all seven. And it says when he comes out the seventh time, his skin is like a young child and he's healed. Why does God work in such weird ways? Why can't he just go, poof? Could God do that? Poof? Could God go, and the walls go, I think God might have done that. He might have been with that shout and it went, just to help the shout out a little bit. And, and you know, God, why, why does he work in these ways? You know, he instructs us in ways that are just as sort of weird or, or odd. This is what he tells us. Um, if, if someone is against you, he says that you are to love them and to pray for them. Matthew 5 uh, 43 and 44, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, who hurt you, who attack you, who are against you. Whoa, that's weird. If you say that to the world, this is how I'm trying to live my life. They're like, why? You. It says, you know what? If you want to be um, great, be a servant. Hey, if you want to be great, be a servant. Matthew 20, 26. But who, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And who, whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for, for many. These things of God are just sort of, of weird ways. Why do we have all these things? Here's one more. And you're like, well, why would you bring this up to me? Because if you don't get this now, you're never going to get it. Do you know the advice I would give to someone going, man, I'm just going through financial hard times. One of the first things I'm going to ask them if they come to me about it, I'm going to go, are you giving to God? Are you being faithful with what you have to God? Well, no, I've got debt up to my ears. You want me to give more? Yeah, I do. That makes no sense at all. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test. God says, you're not doing this for you. Hey, put me to the test. Trust me with what you have. I will always take care of you. And that doesn't mean a new car and a bigger house. But he will take care of you in mightier, mightier ways than that. You want peace in your home? Start giving to God what is God's. 
man, there's very few things in this world that we can do as an expression of faith. That is a true expression. I mean, this is what I do every month. I'm doing this every month as my faith in God. There are very few things that, that we can feel or see are just for ourselves that we can do. He says, there, there, thereby put me to the test of the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And don't forget that need is not talking about bigger house, more stuff. That's, that's the needs of your heart, and your needs of your heart are so much more than the needs of your hands. Am I right? Why does God work in crazy ways? These ways are crazy. And this is why. Because when God's ways succeed, you will not give credit to the method. You will not give credit to the man. You will give credit to the master, who is God. That's why Joshua could want me like, boy, look what we did to that wall. Yeah, baby, that was all you, bro. That was all you. Well, you blew, whoo, and you shouted, ah. No, no, you couldn't, you couldn't give credit to anybody. We just followed what God said, and God did. Man, how many times in our life, if we just follow and we go, go God, I just don't know how I'm going to talk to them or, or give to them or do that, and we do it, and we see God work, and we're just like, Drop, drop the mic. That's, that's the God thing, and there's nothing else can be said about it. The, the method can't get the credit. The man, we, or woman, can't get the credit. God, the maker, gets the credit. Question number three, and this is a difficult question that many uh, of your friends that may not be church will, will, will a- ask you this, and, and I hope uh, you hang with me enough with it, because part of me is almost even scared to go here, uh, because I know it, it's it's just a big deal, and and, and 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 this is what the third. Well, I'll tell you in a second. Read verse sixteen with me. Sorry, getting a little ahead of myself. Verse sixteen, he says this: In the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, "Shout for the Lord has given you the city, and the city." And all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourself from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them and taken any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. So he's saying just don't take anything. You're taking nothing. There's no plunder. There's no gold. There's nothing. We're gonna, and it goes on to say, we're going to wipe everything out. Every man, woman, young, old, livestock, wipe it all out. So my question, and one that we even, if we're serious, we've got to ask is, how can a loving God order the destruction of people? Because that's what's happening here. You know, and, and, and we, there's people, there's, pe- there, there's friends that you have that they, they pose this qu- question. And, and you may even ask it, well, man, I, I, it doesn't really even make sense to me. And I, I hope as we walk through this, this makes sense. In Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 12, God's talking to Abraham. And he says some things that actually have a lot to do with the passage that we're at right now. And I want you to sort of see it. 
In, in verse 12, it says, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Ab- Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be, be servants there, and they, they will be afflicted for 400 years. Do, do you know where they were affl- afflicted and enslaved for 400 years? Egypt. Okay, so this is a foretelling of that event. And when they left Egypt, when the last plague, the, the Passover plague um, hit Egypt, it says that when they left, the people begged them to go, and that it, it is, Israelites were told to ask for their gold and stuff, and the Egyptians gave it to them. It says that in the text. And look at this next, next verse. It says, um, they'll be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. We saw that come true in the Exodus. In the verse 15, he says, that, As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Jericho is a city of Amorites. And there's something about the passage. God doesn't say, hey, I've given you the land. These people are never going to get it, so just go ahead and wipe them out. God says, hey, they, they don't follow me, but, but they're still, a, you know, I'm still going to give them a chance. And he gives wait, four generations and we're not talking about generations like we would call, like, like, like from my son to, to me to my son. It's in bigger gaps than that. He says, I'm going to wait this long time. Why? Because he's merciful. And you go, wait, but he's still going to kill them. I want you to keep in mind a very important truth that is foundational as a believer in Christ. And that is this. All sin comes short of the glory of God. In Romans 6, 23, it says this, and we, we say the verse because we've done it, and we know it with our hand, hand motions. It's sort of funny, huh? But, but verse 6, 23 says this, but the, the, the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin is serious and deadly all the time. All the time. Why, why, why does God bring destruction? Because he's been merciful and given time, and because of the time and, and, and mercy that God gave, Rahab and her entire fam- family turned to him and were saved. If you read on in, in chapter 6, we've gone here in verse 21 too, it says that she's saved. And she actually becomes the grandmother, the great, great, great grandmother of Je- Jesus. There's a lot more greats in there. So he, he uses this woman from this tribe, and that might have been why he was waiting so long, because he knew one was going to turn and seek him. And he was in a passage where we go, oh, but God is so not loving. We see God being merciful. One who doesn't deserve a chance, he gives a chance. So you go, well, why, why doesn't he give a chance to all? And... um. You know, sin is serious. It brings death, deadly consequences. And, and the, the question is this, ask, would, would be asked, well, then this, why can't God just forgive and forget? Isn't that what we're told to do? 
when somebody does something against you, forgive and forget. And I don't know if that's really the truth of what you're supposed to do. Because when someone stabs me in the back eight times, I'm called to forgive them every time, but I'm not called to turn my back to them every time after that. I'm not going to, do y'all understand? You don't hold a grudge against them, but you are careful around it. You forgive them because the Lord's forgiven you. But why can't God forgive and forget? In 2011, there was a man in Norway who uh, took a ferry boat onto an island. Here's a picture of the, of the, of the island right there. On this, it was a youth camp for a bunch of, of it's a, it was a government-run camp uh, with a bunch of students that were there uh, for, it was not a day camp. They were there for the week, just having time, just like we go to camp. And this guy came on this ferry boat. That's the only way to get on or off it was this boat. And when he got off the boat, he was armed with all sorts of guns. He ended up killing 69 people on the island at this student camp in Norway. 69. Injured 66 more. A lot of them he shot when they were trying to swim away. He went back, and those that were, were hurt and had tried to fake dead, he went and shot them twice just to make sure that they were gone. When the authorities finally were able to make it on the island, an hour and a half after the, the mayhem and the slaughter began, he gave himself up right away. There, there was no fight. He went to trial, uh, and uh, just let you know, of the 69 that, that were killed, 50 were under the age of 19. I think 13 to 19 was the ages. In Nor- Norway, there's a law that, um, that you cannot be uh, jailed for more than 21 years for any crime. So he got 21 years in prison for his crime. About three months for every death, month and a half for every hurt. Uh, time is the time he's going to serve for that. And then he... He's got the rights to, to get out after tw- 21 years. Is that fair, you think? Or is that sounding silly? Killing 69 pe- people, and you, oh, you served 21 years? I don't know about you, but when I heard that story, I was like, are you kidding me? You know, when um, a, lot, a, a lot would say it's not fair, especially probably the parents of a lot of those kids. I bet every parent of those kids would go, he's going to get his, his life back. You're going to re- rehabilitate him. And, and, so, and, he's, and I've lost mine for, forever, and so has 69 more. If someone you loved, and don't mean to be morbid, but someone you loved was mur- murdered, and, you, uh, and they were caught, and they admitted it. There was, it was, you knew without a, there was video, there was evidence everywhere. And they were found guilty, and they went to be tried by the judge, be sentenced by the judge. And the judge said to him, man, you are guilty of the crime of murder. But then the judge said to him, but you know what? You know, I, uh, I bit into a donut today when I went to the donut shop and it wasn't as great as I hoped and so I went back and they gave me a new one so it sort of got a second chance at getting a good donut so because I got a second chance I'm going to give you a, a second chance so you just you go free but you live a life that's better than what you lived 
If you were in that court courtroom, how would you feel? Would you be ticked? Angry ticked? Why? Because it's not fair, is it? It's not fair. Because he's, would you call that guy a, a good judge? Dude, he would be an awful judge, right? So, so why do we think that God can be righteous and good and holy and not be just? God has got to judge sin. Why? Because it's wrong. And if God did not judge sin, he would no longer be a good God. And if he was not a good God, he would no longer be God, period. Sin brings judgment, which brings death. And we go, well, man, a loving God wouldn't do that. A loving God does everything he can to reach his people that he loves. But when they turn their back on him to be a just and right and holy and good, he's got to judge. How could he bring destruction on these people? Because they were choosing sin and they were going to choose sin and they were never going to turn to him. And his judgment is going to come. And when you turn your back on God long enough, your heart will get hardened. And when God, you feel God, he spoke to me here, I think a little bit, or he tried to nudge me here and he tried to pull me here and you feel it, but you don't respond. And there's going to be a time when those nudges are less and less and then they're gone. And it's not because God is not loving. It's because you have said no, no, no. And you have closed the door yourself. Man. Why? Why could he order? Why did he? Because he's a just God. He's a righteous God. That's, that's why in the story, it's a, it's a hard passage to read because when you really look at what is going on, it's sad. People apart from God who will never, never find God. And God's judgment came up, upon him. And I just want y'all just to, just to keep in mind because we don't, we, we don't, think of this or play this card a whole lot when we think about our own lives. And, you know, if, if you've got your faith in Christ and you go, man, I've been changed by Christ, i got to let you know, sin is still a serious, serious thing. That even if you have put your faith in Christ, it can wreck you and those around you, especially in a huge, huge ways. Don't take it light. You know, don't take it. Look here in verse 20. Um, 22. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her as you swore to her. So the young man who had been spies went in and brought Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all the relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord, in verse 25. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom God sent to spy out Jericho. Questions come up a lot of times. Why does God work in that way? Because he gets all the glory. Why does he want to use your weaknesses? 
Because when you do that, when you live for him in things, you think, I'm just not really good at this. When you step on on faith and do that, it's God at work in you and no longer you at work in you. So it's not your method. It's not your glory. It's God's glory. That's what this is all about. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for your word tonight. Uh, just the truth of it, God. That, and Lord, may we understand the seriousness of sin and that sin brings death. God, I thank you that you're a good God. I thank you that you're a righteous God. And I thank you that you're a just God. You're a good, good judge. And God, may we just see those around us um, as, as people who need to hear about your love and about your truth. And God, when they scoff or when they laugh or when they ask things or when they act like they don't care, may we pray for them and love them all the more. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.